This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Brian Fitton. This is a special episode. This is the Adoptive Dad episode. So if you're an adopted dad or, you know, no one adopted dad, you should definitely let them listen to this episode because it's going to be awesome. Have uh, Peter Reeves with us today. And Peter is an awesome, awesome dude. Um, we jump into all kinds of family stuff about fatherhood, um, just about the state of the culture, what's going on in the world right now, and uh, as well as just some great advice from from him as a dad. And and one of the fun things that Alex does in all of her episodes, so I got to do, which was to ask lightning round questions with Peter, and that can only be found at Patreon. So make sure you go to patreon.com slash theadoptivemom to uh, to get all of the really cool content that she's created there, as well as uh, the cool lightning rounds, uh, and you'll get to hear the lightning round that I did with Peter. And that's, that's actually, for me, it was a lot of fun to kind of get to know him um, in a quick response type way. But make sure you guys go uh, support what Alex is doing here. This does incur costs, obviously, to have a podcast. And uh, she's done a lot of really cool things. And so I would hope that you go support her. Five bucks a month, and you get access to all the content. It's pretty cool. So this is episode 118. Without any further delay, let's go ahead and get to that interview with Peter Reeves. If you're adopting in the U.S., you probably need an adoption profile book. We believe that this snapshot into your life is one of the most important investments you'll make on your adoption journey. After all, the pages in your book act as your first impression to an expectant mother as she envisions what her child's future will look like. Four years after their own adoption journey, our friends at Little Ampersand Co. have created over 300 adoption profile books, helping families just like yours connect with expectant parents and bring the newest addition to their family home. Little Ampersand Co. is offering AMP listeners $100 off any adoption profile book package with the code ADOPTIVEMOM. Start your journey today at littleampersandco.com or check them out on Instagram at littleampersandco. And don't forget to use the code ADOPTIVEMOM for $100 off any adoption profile book package. All right, on with the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Adopted Mom Podcast. I am not Alex. I'm Brian. I'm the husband of Alex, and I am honored to be with you today uh, hosting another. We haven't done this in a while. This has been its super exciting uh, to be able to do a dad's episode. So I get the privilege once a season to be able to jump in here and actually be able to do a dad's episode. And we have an amazing guest on with us today, uh, Mr. Peter Reeves. How's it going, Peter? Going well. Everything is good. So excited to be on the podcast. Yes, my friend. We are so excited to have you. Um, so, Peter uh, is you are in you are a northerner to us. We're we're in we're south in Arkansas. You're up in Michigan. Well, I think us southerners just always assume it's just snowing constantly, like just twelve <laughs> months of just snow in Michigan. That's kind of what we assume. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're in uh, Lansing, Michigan, correct? Yes, correct. In Lansing, Michigan, you probably saw it on the news this year. It was a little crazy here, but uh, uh, to to contrary belief, it is not snowing all the time. It's actually been warm here since March. So nice. it's been awesome. Yeah, I yes. know. 
That's fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So being up there and also tell actually just go ahead and tell us just a little bit about you, um, about your role. Cause you, I, you're kind of a guy who's, who's in ministry as well, but you're also uh, kind of on this journey of fostering adoption, but tell us just a little bit about you, um, and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I am the next gen pastor at a church called Mount Hope Church out here in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, so I help oversee any, anything to do with next gen ministries, really like zero to 30. And, uh, I do ministry with my lovely wife who I've been dating since I was 15 years old. She's the only girl's hand I've ever held in my whole life. (laughs) And I was like, I choose you, you know? And, uh, so we've been together for a really long time and uh, we just always knew we were gonna, we were going to start our family pretty young. We just didn't know how. And, uh, we went through four years of infertility. We always wanted to adopt or always wanted to foster. I, I tell people all the time, like we didn't foster because we struggled to get pregnant. Uh, it just sped up our fostering plan. And, uh, so we fostered first. That's how we started our family. And then three months after, uh, fostering after four years of trying to get pregnant, we got pregnant uh, with our first biological daughter. And so uh, we're, we're doing it. We're a family of five. We, we, we tell people we waited for four years uh, and got zero babies. And then in one year we got three babies literally. And it's been crazy. Uh, they're three, two, and one right now, which is insane. <laughs> we have three under three and we still love each other. So yeah, everything's going well, but uh, I also travel uh, as a speaker and uh, uh, in different spheres. And so, yeah, our life is great, man. We love where we're at and uh, it's good. It's good. I love that. I love that. You guys have a beautiful family. I was telling you uh, ahead of our interview, uh, there's a just a little video clip that you guys have on your on your church YouTube channel um, that tells about your story and just your passion and stuff, especially for youth, uh, as well as um, you know just your journey through ministry has been fantastic. And so, um, yeah, make sure you guys go check out Peter and 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 obviously uh, all that he's doing online too. But I, it's crazy, Peter. Your story is very similar to ours. Actually, I didn't know that. I, I don't guess I knew that you had three under three because we went from zero kids to four in two years. Uh, so it was kind of funny. We, we joke, we adopted a teenager, um, which listeners I'm sure are aware of with, with my wife and telling our story in the past, but we actually went to, uh, we adopted a teenager. We joked that he was the only one that was planned uh, because we started our foster journey and stuff. And we, we were pregnant. Then at that point had the baby. And then uh, a week after we got our teenager, found out we were pregnant again and then three months later, we got his half brother. <laughs> and so, and he was three weeks wow, old when we got him. So I, I feel you. I seriously, man, th- having three under three, it is a, it's a, it's a whirlwind. And it seems yeah. like the diapers never end. I think. <laughs> never dude. I'll tell you this, man. The first time, um, you know, you don't really know what you're getting into when you, when your wife's like, okay, you told me since we were dating, you wanted to be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. We're doing it. You feel good about it. I'm like, dude, I feel great about it. And uh, I'll never forget that first day. You know, our first uh, call that we got was for a little baby, uh, but they obviously ended up taking it somewhere else. We were crushed. Uh, but I'll never forget the call that we got for our son and our daughter now, our foster son and daughter now. Uh, I, that first night, man, shook me as a dad because I instantly went from just being this, you know, this dude who could just do anything he wanted, whatever <laughs> he wanted, to having major responsibility. I don't care how old you are what journey of life you find yourself in or where where you're at in that journey. Like that is a game changer. And that first night uh, we had two puppies at the time. I was holding my little foster daughter. She was terrified of me, but she was also scared. So she was crying. And every time she'd look at me, she'd get scared. Uh, So I'm holding her. I'm holding my wife who doesn't know she can love 
our foster daughter because she's two and she knows we're not her parents, right? So she's like, I don't know if I can love her. How is this going to work? I'm holding my uh, my foster son who's seven weeks old. Uh, so my daughter's crying. My wife's crying because she doesn't know she can love her. My son's crying because he's seven weeks old. Both the dogs are crying because they're locked up. Everyone is crying in my house. And I'm just holding my arms open like, oh, what did I just do? Dude, that was a glorious day. And uh, I can truly say it's been, it was forming. And, uh, you know, obviously just such a great day. And, and now our family's incredible. We love each other deeply and it's awesome. So, but that, just that first initial day was insane. Yeah. Oh, I, it, it almost, it just hits as reality. You're just like, we've been looking forward to this day for so long. And then all of a sudden yes. it's there and you're like, okay, everything's completely different. Everything has completely changed. And you don't, completely. I don't, I don't think you, you anticipate change. And I think you said it correctly too. You're like, no matter what stage of life you're in, you can never be fully prepared for that. Like we, we, we went through all the training and everything and we're like, Psh, we got this. We, we are so ready. We got this, you know? And then all of a sudden it is that you get, you get this kid in your life and you're like, I, I know I love them, be, but it's, it's a different kind of love. And then all of a sudden it just, it grows and grows and grows. And, it it grows. Just, and then uh, you can't imagine uh, your life without them. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Dude, but do you remember the first day where they dropped those kids off though? Cause I'll tell you two gentlemen came here. They called us and like, can we bring the kids over in two hours? We're like two hours. <laughs> we rushed back home. They come up our driveway. They drop the kids off. We sign paperwork, sign here, sign here, sign here. And they were gone. I'm like, can I get a receipt? Can I get something? <laughs> something to verify this transaction happened. Yep, and yep. then I just had two babies looking at me like, take care of us. And it was awesome, man. It was awesome. <laughs> and so we always joke. It's kind of like the, uh, just the baby, literally baby on your doorstep. It's like, here it is, the car seat. And they, that is how they walk in. And then, and it's, it's such, uh, you know, living in, I mean, you're a ministry, obviously a believer. And so this, you see the brokenness of this world, but then you also see redemption and love and, and, and yeah. so many things that, uh, that happen in just in that moment. Right. Absolutely. And so, uh, I, I absolutely love that. And I, and, and, um, kudos to you too. I mean, you guys have been on this journey and just like so many of our listeners, so many families, uh, it, it, it is just one of those things where, it's an up and down. It's a roller coaster of emotions and leaning on God, you know, through this and and having grace as well. I mean, um, you know, all about reunification, but then also it's like, hey, we also want to, you know, bring these kids into our home and adopt them and have them become part of our family too. And um, yeah, I think sure. that that's a that's a big piece of. It. But um, so I mean, some of this too. I mean, tell us. So what a basically from your perspective as a dad, um, you know, you have, so, so tell us a little bit more about your family, I guess, what's kind of the dynamics there. Yeah. So, um, man, our family, uh, we have, so we're away from everyone. We're originally from Philadelphia. We're away uh, from our, our, you know, just God given support system. Uh, but we have a tremendous church community around us. A lot of people who are foster families or Casa families, uh, or people that can just do respite. So we have a great makeup around us, but our family dynamic is me and my wife, our oldest, our three-year-old, she's a girl. Uh, and then we have our middle, uh, child, which is our, our son, uh, obviously. And then, uh, our baby girl. So that's our dynamic, uh, three girls, two boys, and we love it that way. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. And that's, um, so having, so is, your bio is your oldest, right? Is that correct? Youngest, youngest. Oh, he's the youngest. That's okay. Okay, I got him flip flopped. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. And that's uh, so. Talk to us a little bit. I mean, obviously, being a dad going through this, you know, we hear a lot about um, kind of the wives being the ones who are like, 
pushing this agenda, right? And feeling like, you know, a lot of the dads kind of feel like they're coming along or that's the stereotype, right? Um, but I think for our relationship, um, it was it was kind of us mutually. We we kind of went through the same thing. We're like, we always wanted to foster. We always wanted to have some something in, to do with adoption. Um, but so from your perspective, as like a dad who's coming up, you know, and obviously getting to know these kids and stuff like, um, what has it been like for you and your wife both to kind of walk this journey together? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we definitely are, are from the, the understanding that like across the land, probably one of the biggest uh, epidemics across the land is the lack of fathers in the home. And so uh, obviously, you know, we were more sensitive to the reality of, of, kids that are already alive that don't have dads, you know, not just thinking about the child we were trying to have uh, when we were wrestling with infertility. Uh, But like I said, our foster journey honestly starts all the way in college. We both interned uh, at a church and we interned for a couple uh, that had four uh, foster kids at one time and four of their own. So we saw uh, a family in ministry um, doing, uh, operating at a high capacity, but still doing the work of the kingdom. And we were like, dude, how could we not do that? How could we not step in the gap uh, no matter what color they are? And that's a different dynamic to our story. Like I'm black, my wife's white. Uh, we don't think about it unless people bring it up. Uh, our foster babies are white. And my daughter is like, uh, she's like uh, Beyonce Brown. You know what I mean? We call her our Beyonce baby. So like, we just look, you know, our family walks in the door. We look like the United Nations and we prefer that, you know, but <laughs> just that dynamic man of, of understanding like it doesn't matter what where they what where they come from what they look like someone has to father them and, and we want to open up our homes to be one of those homes and so I'll say this like my wife was definitely uh maybe in the beginning of the driver behind our foster care journey but right when we started when it started to get real I was the driver I was like man we have to do this uh really incredibly excited about it um and I just knew that that was one of the things the Lord asked me to do and I was going to do it without hesitation. So that that's kind of how we got where we are and why we did it. You know, like, honestly, I think true gospel is taking care of orphans and widows. And, uh, you know, we can talk about how that's the right thing to do. But then at some point, we just got to do it, you know. So uh, stepping in the gap for families and, and caring for them and even for the bio mom, right? Like caring for bio moms and parents who have made multiple mistakes, showing them grace uh, it's easy to show grace to people who you're not directly connected to, uh, but then, <laughs> but then when you're in the middle of it with their kids and they're making bad decisions and and talks of going home or whatever and all that, I mean that's when uh, I would say your faith is tested. So yeah, that's why we did it though. That's why we we we're honored to be in the position that we're in as foster parents. Yeah, oh, I absolutely love that, and that's. Uh... <laughs> I, th- I think it's uh, just for listeners out there that have consistently been on the podcast. That's, that's something it, it takes action. Like it's really nice and fun to talk about. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're called to, to minister to the you know orphans and, and the, and the widows. And it's, it's fun to, you know, it's like, oh yeah, well, our church does that. You know, we give and, you know, and that our money goes to that. But uh, at some point, you know, God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, Hey, that's you. You need to, you need to actually take that step, you know? Um, and I, and I love that you said too, also you have a support system, which is something that I, we have, you know, I don't know that we would be where we're at without the community around us, the people that love us and, and, and really, you know, show love into our life. Um, talk a little bit about that too. Yeah. What's that community been like for you guys? 
Man, it's been life-giving. You know, my wife says it like this, and, and I know this makes some people nervous, but it's okay. You know, I, I, we like to push the boundaries a little bit. But she says, you know, sometimes when it seems like it's hard to like, uh, hard to sense the presence of God, you know, as we're going through a difficult situation or we get bad news concerning the kids, she'll say, I, I can't be mad at him though, because his kids continue to show up. And that's so true, man. I'll tell you what, like wow. God, God loves to reveal himself to humanity through humanity. Uh, and it's very beautiful. I mean, uh, we've seen countless people step up to the occasion to support us uh, in ways that we couldn't even begin to describe on this podcast. We wouldn't have enough time. Uh, <laughs> but we we have a fantastic church community around us, people who have been, embraced our foster babies like they're ours forever. You know what I mean? And uh, that's just been beautiful to see. And it reminds me of like what Jesus said, like when you take care of the least of these, you're taking care of me. And that's easy to do that in a moment. But will you show up day in and day out consistently uh, care for someone that you have really no responsibility to. And that's what our faith community has done for us. Uh, and, and when it's felt like our faith was like teetering, like our potential, you know, we're pastors, so we can't even really say that without people going, oh my God, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but like when it felt like our faith was teetering a little bit in any capacity, it's just like people just showed up. It was like we had a physical representation uh, of, of Jesus standing in front of us. You know, I don't want to get into the theology of that, but just someone who was representing the characteristics of, of Christ to us. It was beautiful. And it's still happening today. Uh, that care has been not just for, for my kids, but for us. I mean, uh, people who will step in so that we could still have a consistent date night, uh, people who will stop by and cook dinner and spend time with our family, people who will lavish gifts, you know, I'm talking about gold, frankincense, and myrrh on our kids, you know, just <laughs> loving on them, dude. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's, that is, that is super fantastic. And I, I feel that too, because that, that is, that has been part of our family, part of our community as well. Um, being a part of a church that supports, I mean, our pastor has, has adopted as well. They fostered and adopted too. And so that just, oh, cool. it just in that community, it just breeds that, that love. And, and that's just almost like a yeah. mission, an unspoken mission of the church. It's like, uh, but when you get plugged into that and get plugged into those communities, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. And and you you never I'm a guy I'm a guy who's very independent. And so I'm like, I don't need anybody's help. I got this. You know, we, we can figure this out. Uh, yeah. it, it, you are humbled in those moments, especially when somebody's offering that help and you know that you need that help, <laughs> even for a date night or a respite or whatever it is. You're like, thank you. And there's just that yeah. gratitude of allow, allowing somebody else to bless you like if they can't you know, if they can't themselves adopt or foster, they're, they're showing how they, how they're supporting, um, you know, those families is such a, such a beautiful thing. So, um, so obviously over this past year, and I mean, you know, it, well, all kinds of stuff obviously has been happening, um, you know, racial injustice in general. And so us being dads in this, in this world, how are you looking at your kids and, and raising them up in, in this world as being, you know, obviously, you know, a family of different colors, like this is, this is one of those things that how do you, how are you taking that um, on to inspire others, to lead others, to, to lead your children? Um, and even for the future, what do you, what are you, I guess, looking at going forward? How, yeah. how are you becoming that? Yeah, this has been the greatest privilege and one of the biggest challenges in my life, thinking about the fact that, you know, my son's two. Uh, and one day he's going to be 18. Right. And I imagine I'm still going to be a part of his life, part of his journey. Uh, if the bio mom, you know, so lets it, but, um, just, just, okay. I'll say this. I'll kind of work in a couple of different directions. The first one is this is to not raise him through my lens of disappointment. Kidding me. 
Like, if you're asking me if racial injustice has been a part of my reality, absolutely. I'm a black man that lives in America. Am I a victim to the way other people act? No, I can only control myself. I can't control them. But I would be lying if I told you I haven't experienced racism up close and personal. I grew up in Philadelphia. I mean, this is this is not a, a thing that we can hide from. But I'll say this. Having a white son has taught me that I cannot raise him from my lens of disappointment. Uh, I'm not going to put my pain on him. I'm not going to put uh, perspectives that have jaded me on him. Uh, and I know he's only two, but I promise you, like, I'm going to just continue to encourage him to, to be curious and to, you know, I, and you know what, I'll even say this. I know this is going to get risky here, but people are like, well, he, he has privilege. And I'm like, I'm glad he's my son, dude. I hope he has privilege. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just think that, um, I just think that, uh, you know, all of us are, we come from different family lines, different positions, different places, different perspectives. And we, and some of us have an advantage. Some of us don't, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me anyway, I, I think that's okay. Uh, because we're getting to reinvent ourselves over and over again. Uh, it, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie to you, like during uh, everything that was happening. And I don't, I don't, don't make my statements, not saying I did not mourn uh, for the several different cases of men uh, and even women who are struggling uh, primarily with racial injustice or different cases happening in families. I was really broken and could see myself in those scenarios. Uh, but I made a post uh, with a picture of me holding my son in the pool. And I just said, he, he doesn't know I'm black. He doesn't think I'm scary. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what else to think. He just calls me dad, dad. Mm. And I think that we have to sit in that, you know, like uh, our, our ki- people are not born racist. They are taught racism. Uh, and people are not taught, you know, people aren't born thinking people are bad. They're taught that people are bad. And one thing I learned, I'll, I'll say this, and this is something I'm, I'm teaching even my, my kids right now. They're, they're so young and, and they're getting it, is that the core word of the word heart, we all want to change each other's hearts. Mm-hmm. The core word of the word heart is here. And you cannot change anyone's heart that you're not willing to hear. And so... Um, I, I just think that was a, a pivotal. The reason I even made that post is just for the sake of like, uh, just trying to bear my heart and get people to hear and then also hear people. Um, tough times, man. I, I don't know. It just jumbles up all my thoughts because there was so much happening. But as a black dad uh, to a white son, uh, the message for me is uh, I'm not going to put my, I'm not going to lead you through my lens of disappointment. Uh, do I have opinions? Yeah, I'm going to allow you to formulate your own. Do I have thoughts? Of course. Uh, but but I love you enough to let you become you, you know? So yeah. I know that's not popular. I know that's not like the, <laughs> the thing, you know, everyone wants me to rise up and say, well, this, this is what, you know, but I'll tell you what, I've never been the best version of myself being angry. Um, and so mm. even when I disagree, um, you know, I just have to come to grips with the reality that like, I have to care about this people that are within my sphere um, my wife is white. I, I told you, my wife is white. I'm black. We always forget unless people remind us. Uh, and it, it's because of the way we see each other, you know, it's the way we see each other. And uh, it's so it's it's so fitting that God would send us white babies and that oh, we would have a mulatto daughter, you know, it's just perfect, you know, and uh, I don't know, man, I just, I'm just not, um, I'm not as concerned as people are, you know, and at the position like, uh, hopefully my, my, my son is a part of the change. Hopefully he's helping people's thoughts evolve around culture, around racism, around uh, differences and uh, around diversity. Uh, but I wasn't intimidated by any means. I hope you sense that in me. 
uh, to, to raise him or to call him my own, not by any means, no shame whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, well, it sounds like, sounds like just even that, I mean, just even those statements alone and I, you're obviously heading the right direction. And that's, I, I love to see that's inspiring for me being a father too. I mean, that's, uh, I'll say this. I mean, um, we've had, you know, obviously just there's so much, so much turmoil and stuff that has, has just happened in this past year. And I think everyone's had to kind of take it, take a step back and me being a white male too, of looking at that, of like, I need to be aware uh, of what's going on around me and the people that are hurting and, and be able to, to even, like you said, hear, like just be able to listen and understand. And that's, that's what I've tried to do this path, this whole year is just listen. I just want to know, I want to know people's stories. I want to hear, I want to hear their experiences, what it's like. Um, and just getting way more perspective, uh, just because I have young kids, we have a teenager, you know, and so I've had to have, I kind of joke though. It's like, we have the same conversations between, um, a teenager and then a, uh, and then a three-year-old. You know, <laughs> it's like you're telling yeah. them the same things. You're like, don't do this, do this, don't do it. like there's a yeah. lot of that same thing. But it really is that, especially getting into the world and being hurt and being, you know, how to forgive and how to have grace and then also be under have self-awareness as well from from both perspective as as kids who are just yeah. kind of coming up, you know. Yeah. And and by no means am I saying anything that happened is right. I'm just saying I'm never going to sit in the position of of talking about something and not being about action. You know, my, if, if my dad was alive today, he's passed away now. But if he was alive, he, I mean, he used to tell us all the time, like, you're going to experience unfair treatment sometimes. But I've given you every advantage. I worked hard so you would never say, well, I didn't know. I didn't have. He's like, you have every advantage. You wow. know what I mean? And so uh, he would tell me no excuses. You know, that's what I know I would hear from him. Uh, but I'm not saying what ha- what the things that happen are right. I'm just saying that I'm going to lead from a position of strength always. Yeah. yeah, I'm always just going to lead from a position of strength, not a position of we can't and this is happening to us. It's like, okay, this is happening to us. What are we going to do about it? You know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just pray that I'll be kind of dad that uh, allows my kids to be empowered and uh, and to have p- different perspective and not just to. Psh, I hope I raise kids that don't just breathe everything the media says, dude, like that. That's on either like, side. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? On, on any side, yeah. man. Come yeah. on. I'm not. And I hope that that the that the principles of the kingdom of God matter more to them uh than what they look like in the mirror. Amen. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, no. That that quote, I and that's gonna be, I'm just gonna go ahead and call it. That's gonna be the quote of the episode. <laughs> like, I'm never my best self when I'm angry. Like never. whenever you're acting out of anger, we're never that. And I, I don't, I it may have been something that you posted a while, but I was kind of scrolling through um, some of your teaching and stuff um, and, and sermons, but um, basically it was that, that some you mentioned earlier, like I can't control other, like I can only control my responses to what oh, people do. And I yeah. think that teaching our kids that, I mean, that's, that's so much empowerment just right there. Yeah. 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 I yeah. love that. The conversations um, are going to, the conversations are going to be different. You know, I, I, we could spend the rest of this podcast talking about what my dad taught me, mm-hmm. you know, even just about getting pulled over. And that would maybe even blow your mind. Um, the fact that I might not have to teach my son that, uh, you know, like that, I'm not sad at that. Mm-hmm. Why would I be sad at that? And I think <laughs> that's what people don't understand. Like, I, I just want them to have their own thoughts and their own opinions. I don't want them to be chained by culture. I don't want them to be shaped on the potter's wheel by disappointment or anger or rage or even sadness. I want them to formulate their own opinions and just really care about that, man, a lot because that's what my parents did for me. Uh, you know, they 
they let me come to them with uh, raw emotions and say, hey, this happened to me. Dude, can I tell you a story real quick, Brian? Actually, yeah. I'll tell you that. This is a big deal. So uh, there was this girl in my class when I was in the in, I was in the third or fourth grade. She was inviting everyone to her party. I'm just uh, – my, my number one strength is self-belief. So I just assumed she was going to save the best for last and invite me last to her party. I was like, no big deal. So I literally um, – at the end of the class, I noticed that she didn't invite me. And I actually liked her. And I knew she liked me. Third grade, come on, love. She shared a color pencil with me. I, like, I was like, girl, this is it, you know. Um, and she – she didn't invite me to, so I, I went up to her and I was like, Hey, like, I know she didn't invite me. I don't even care. Like, I'll just be there. Like, I understand. And she's like, no, Peter, I didn't invite you to my party. And I was like, wait, why? Like, we're really good friends. And she said, I didn't invite you to my party. Cause my mom says I can't. And I said, well, why, why did she say you can't? She said, because you're black. And that was the first time I ever encountered racism, like up close. And I didn't know how to take it because my parents like they like mentioned it, but they didn't like coach me through their disappointment on it. So I didn't know how to handle this. I was like, somebody won't invite me somewhere because I'm like, and it was obviously f- so forming for me because I was in the third grade and I still remember it to this day. So I go home. I don't talk to anyone on the bus. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a very rowdy person. And I just sat silently. Mm-hmm. I got home. I, I ran into the bathroom. And I turned the faucets on it as hot as possible. And I know this is stupid, but my third grade mind thought it would work. I tried to wash the black off my skin, end up burning my hands really badly. My mom came home and she was like, son, what are you doing? She turned the waters off. She started to pull ointment on my hands and help me. I was shaking. And uh, she, she sat there. She told me, she said, son, never, ever, ever allow people to lead. I mean, this is the third grade. Never allow what people say to drive your emotions. I'll never forget that. Oh, wow. She taught me that when I was in the third grade. And uh, and then they began to unfold to me uh, kind of the history of our nation, the, you know, some treatments of uh, of injustice, other treatments of, uh, you know, uh, just different things. She, they began to teach me. Uh, but I, that was so forming for me because I didn't know about it until I encountered it. And I think that's healthy. Mm. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. They let me have an experience. Was it painful? Absolutely. But did I, did that ever happen again? No. There was multiple times in my life after that, that I experienced racism that I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. And people were shook. Like, how can you respond like that? And I'm like, I can only control me. I can't, I don't know what everyone else is doing. I'm responsible for the way I react and how I respond. And so um, I just really, be- man, I just re- really believe in not shaping our kids around disappointment. I love that. I, your mother was super wise in that. <laughs> she is. I mean, she is. That, that's, that's that's just something too. I mean, just even for adults, it's like just in general, you know, not even, not even in that context, but just not allowing people to, to dictate your emotions, like their actions. And, um, there's, there's why actually, a, a, a preacher I follow talked about just setting those proper expectations, you know, and being able yeah. to know like kingdom work is way more important than, than having, yeah. having this anger and getting, getting even just even with somebody or whatever, like that forgiveness and just moving on because there's a greater calling that we're, that yeah. we're trying to do. There's, there's a mission. And, uh, my Alex is, is big on the Enneagram. She's actually a certified Enneagram coach. And so okay, um, cool. I'm, a, I'm a three. And so I'm always just that like goal oriented person. I'm like, yes. I don't have, I don't have time for all this other stuff and all this negativity. I got a goal. I got, I got to get there. And so, yeah. um, of course that feeds into <laughs> my just not having time for that negative response. I, I love that. That's, that's so good. Hey, yeah. um, 
So just kind of going in through through some of uh, some of my questions here. Um, I've, I've been told I've got to make sure follow my format here because again, yeah. I can't get kicked off this podcast. I get one shot a season, so I got to make make it count. Okay. Uh, yes. But <laughs> so kind of going through some of uh, some of these questions too. So what do you wish you had known um, or had known about? Uh, I'm messing it up again. What do you wish you had known at the beginning of this journey? So when you guys started fostering, you know, you got into it, you got some training. I mean, you had that heart already, but what is, what do you wish you had known back at the beginning of this? Yeah. I wish I would have known that it's not just about the kids. It's about the family. Um, it's about the whole family. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to create, um, this beautiful life for these kids. Um, and at the same time by her own accord, uh, their mother suffers. And, uh, I wish I would have known, um, in the beginning of this journey, that it was more than just about the kids. It was about their whole family. And that one day I'm going to have to respond for how I treated their mom and the things I said about their mom and how I prayed for their mom. Did you pray for her? You know, mm. if they, my kids asked me that at the beginning, I would, I would have to say, no, you know, I did. It. Um, mm. and, uh, I wish I would have known that. Yeah, man, that's that, that cuts. I, I will say to us, we had gone gone through, um, especially with with our baby. He, uh, you know, going through termination of, of parental rights and stuff like that. And we had all these, all these ideas, all this frustration, anger, and hurt, and all this stuff against um, his bio mom. And walking into the courtroom and seeing her just kind of, she's just broken. And, and and all of a sudden, that just completely went away. And you just you felt that for her, at least in our situation, we we're just like this is hard. She's still mom, you know, like this is tough. And, and knowing that in, inside of us too, it's like, I think that's, are you praying for her? Like, are, are you consistent? Like, did, did, did we do what we needed to do, you know, to even show the love of Christ in that situation? Like that's, that's huge, man. And that's, that's hard though. I mean, we're still human. We're still flesh. There's still those, those things come up and it's, especially when you're so attached to the kids, your heart, it's hard not to be protective, especially what they've gone through, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in different journeys. I'm not saying yours, I'm just saying in general, most of these kids have been gone through so much trauma and hurt and pain uh, mm-hmm. that you can't get angry about that. It's hard not to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. But man, that, that's tough. Um, so we did have actually, so um, she posted on Instagram and asked uh, any, any questions specifically for you. And uh, so uh, somebody asked, how do you raise, um, how do you raise resilient kids without shifting big feelings, stifling big feelings? I'm so sorry. Um, how, yeah. How do you raise resilient kids without stifling big feelings? We talk about big feelings in this house a lot. We, we got a lot of big feelings around here. Um, yeah. but how do you raise resilient kids without stifling big feelings? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think it's just like, um, you know, just, just like I have employees, like people that work under me on our team, um, you don't give them solutions too quickly. You know, um, you were, you like my, you know, my son drops his fork on the floor for the fourth time on that fourth time. I'm not getting it. You know, like we're, we're going to have to figure out something else. We're going to have to eat with your hands tonight. And I know that seems intense, but like, dude, like not being so quick to, to give solutions and, and allowing them to feel not controlling your kids, even when you can. Okay. I, I honestly believe that the root of every bad relationship is like control. Like I want to control this situation. I can't. And so I get depressed or so I get angry or so I get anxious or so I get whatever. And it's like, just not controlling, like letting them make decisions. Like, okay, you don't want to eat dinner. Okay. Don't eat. If you don't eat dinner, 
what that means is that we can't do this. So you get to choose. Are we not going to do this? Or are you going to eat? Just letting them make decisions and not being so quick to bring solutions to them, letting them figure out the perfect. I got the perfect story. Uh, today, when I got home from work, we we're hanging out in my backyard. You know, we have a little kiddie pool for our kids. And uh, my son was trying to get out of the pool and uh, he couldn't do it. He slipped and fell on the first time in the water. It's kind of scary, but, you know, it's a baby pool. I'm like, whatever. He fell. Yeah. Uh, and so I clapped for him. I'm like, get up, son, get up. And he's like, up, up, up. He's trying to get me to pick him up. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not getting out of this chair. <laughs> and then he figures it out. He literally, he turns around and drops one foot out, then drops the other foot out and then falls back. And then he looks up at me and goes, yay. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I just think that's it. I, and I, obviously my kids are so young, but I think from my end, like, I always knew my parents were there to help me and they could help me at any moment, but they weren't always going to give me their help. Mm. Help me. Yeah. Help me be resilient. So I don't know. That's my opinion. Again, opinion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually growing, growing through any kind of suffering. I mean, that's what happens. And that's, uh, we had that moment the other day with our kids are like, I have to go to work like to get money. Well, just go to the bank and get money. Like, well, who do you think puts the money in the bank? Well, the bank people yeah. do. And it's like those moments, like trying to explain this, you know, to a five-year-old, you're, you're like, these are good learn life learning lessons of yeah. like going through this, like, you know, we don't just have money. We don't just have food just because, you know, like yeah. Yeah. We, we are super grateful for that and that opportunity, you know, and, and that dad works and mom works to make sure that we, we can have this food and, you know, it's broccoli or green beans. There's your choices, yeah. right? Which one are we going to have tonight? So yeah. I think resilience to resilience. Resilience is formed by failure. So a lot of Ooh, a lot yeah. of parents are too afraid to let their kids fail. Um, so resilience isn't formed. You know, if I know I'm going to fail, then immediately you're going to be there to help me quickly. And so I'll just fail faster because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know you're going to help me. But if I know, like, oh, you know, I do it again, my dad, you know, weren't super tight, but actually even more my mom, my, my mom would say this, like, I would bring a problem to her and she's like, Sounds like you got a problem. I'm like, yeah, that's why I brought it to you. She's like, so what are you going to do about it? I was like, I don't know. That's why I'm coming to you. She's like, let me know what you decide. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, so but I'm thankful for those moments, man. It caused me to, uh, to, to contemplate, to think, and to, to get creative, you know, so. Yeah. Man, yeah. wise woman again. Another another call out for <laughs> mom there. Yeah, she is. She's a good one. <laughs> All right. Um so, yeah. So what's, what do you wish that you had done differently? I know we talked about the beginning of this, but what is, what is something that you would have done differently um, or even currently through this, this journey? Uh, encourage my wife instead of criticize her. Mm. You know, parenting is so hard, dude. Like it is so tough and so difficult. And it, parenting is kind of like guys with golf, right? Like if I talk to you about golf, you will think I'm a really good golfer. I could even give you tips that would improve your swing. But if you saw me out there, you'd be like, why did I ever listen to him? You know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those things. Like it's, you know, just, I just wish I would have encouraged her more. Um, and not been so quick to again, try to fix her, try to correct her, um, and let her roll with the punches. Cause she was doing the absolute best she could. And honestly, those moments didn't make anything better. They only made them more stressful. I wish I would have been more encouraging and more supportive, even if I thought the decision was wrong. Mm. I'm being honest with you. Yeah. yeah. So I, w- I wish I would have done that better, man. That's, that's a good wisdom for all the husbands out there. No matter. Oh, I'm getting a thumbs up over here in the corner. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might <laughs> me be. And a, wife, we, 
Me and my wife always talk about that when someone goes like this, or they're just like, ah, <laughs> give you the thumbs up. I, at least so, he's not close enough to give me the elbow into the side there. Maybe that's, yeah, that's good. Right. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So you talked a little bit about this, but you know, how's your, how's your community best supported you? Um, any, anything to elaborate on that? I mean, man, I love that. Yeah. I mean, the, they best supported us again by just caring for our relationship, like not getting lost in uh, the fact that we have kids now, uh, but people who were loving enough to go, Hey, do you guys still love each other? We're like, yeah, we do. We do. Right. Okay. Yeah, we do. Right. <laughs> We're good. You know, uh, people who just cared about our relationship um, outside of our children. I mean, that, that consumed our life so much, you know, it's easy to forget. Uh, I, and this is a real thing. Like I've actually seen it in couples that spend their entire time raising kids together. And then at the end of it, they're like, Oh, we actually don't like each other as much. We like doing life together with our kids and, building stuff but now it's just us and it's really weird and they have to fall in love all over again i want to you know our communities helped us realize that like we are still important to each other and that we got to take care of our relationship so man that is that is so important and i think that might be a generational thing too like i've i've seen that just in generations past where you just the kids are such the they're the, the only thing they're the focus right and you just work so hard and for that 18 years you get them out of the house and then all of a sudden you're standing there looking at each other <laughs> you know you're like yeah. there's like what do we what do we do now um and that's I, I think that's super important to look out for that and to have those people in your life too that are paying attention to your your marriage and i i agree we have I mean, we have a great support system of just guys that are kind of in you know same life stages but also like guys that have gone through this and having mentors in my own life i reach out to them like hey what do i do in this situation and how do i walk this and um, yeah. but man, just being self-aware of your marriage, holy moly, that's, that's, it's got, it's got to be front of mind. Cause if you're not strong in that, the, the family system breaks down and your kids see it. I mean, we saw yeah. it as kids, right? We saw yeah. when, when yeah. our parents are going through stuff and stress. And, um, if you can't, if you can't get that right, it's, it's definitely, it's going to have an effect. Right. Um, all right. So how have you felt unsupported or misunderstood through this? I mean, have you guys encountered any kind of controversy? We had a little bit at the beginning where people were like, you guys are crazy or you shouldn't be doing this. Like you should stop. And that's yeah, tough. man, we, we definitely got that. You know, they're like, you don't have kids and you're about to take two. Are you serious? Um, the doubt of people who you, you assumed, which you should never assume anything, right? You assumed you were going to have their support. Uh, and then, they gave you what they thought was what they call a dose of reality. You're like, I don't need your reality, <laughs> you know? So, um, definitely. Um, yeah, that, that was tough, obviously just, just not getting support from some people that we thought were going to be completely for it, but you know, that that's very long, short lived. We don't give those people kind of a, a window into our lives too long, but I, we did feel misunderstood in, in that fact and probably misunderstood in the fact that, um, you know, we, we weren't doing like baby wives and we weren't reading the parenting, you know, the parenting community is very judgmental. You didn't do baby wise. <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? We didn't do baby wise. <laughs> you know, we didn't follow like the, the rhythms, like, you know, like when our daughter was born, we didn't give her like a hot bottle. Like we give her a cold bottle and, you know, and people were like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's supposed to help her belly and you know, whatever. So 
the parenting, yo, the parenting community will let you know real quick uh-huh. you're doing it wrong. So, but yeah, I, I would just say kind of stuff like that. Whatever, who cares? That's, that is so <laughs> funny. That's so funny that I mean, good grief, man! Fifteen years ago, I had no idea you know, about all that stuff. When when you become a parent, you're like. There's a whole world that I had no idea. And there are so many judgmental people. And you could do no matter if you feel like you're doing it right way, 10 people are going to tell you how you're doing it wrong. But like I'm like, this stroller has four stars. They're like, this one has five. Do you not care about your kids' lives? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's a stroller, I'm like, and I'm not paying six hundred dollars right. for the stroller. I'm like, I'm like looking at different diaper brands. I'm like, oh, this one's cheaper. They're like, Are you kidding me? That will cause irritation and they will never forgive you. I'm like, someone has been through something. Uh, yeah, exactly. Somebody else needs some therapy and counseling as well. Woof, man, that's good. Oh, that's good. All right. So, best advice or encouragement you would give to foster or adoptive dads um, in the trenches right now, kind of going through it, man. What what advice and encouragement can you give them? Yeah, I would say, um, man, uh, you're you're doing better than you think. Uh, you're doing what other people are unwilling to do. Uh, so don't see things as they are. See them as they should be. Um, imagine the days um, where unity is, where your home is full of unity and your home is full of peace. Like, don't just be so caught up in the moment, and don't just be dreaming about the future when they're grown. Like, really, like see things as they should be right now, and um, and and cherish the moment. I know that's so typical, except I didn't do it for the longest time. Um, always thinking about the next thing. Uh, you talked about Enneagram earlier. I'm an eight, so I'm always challenging this moment, you know? And I know I'm an eight because I hate that I'm an eight, you know? Uh, so <laughs> I'm like, yep. okay, maybe this maybe this has something to do it because I'm it and I hate yep. it. Um, but I say just, man, just, just do everything you can to be present, even when they can't talk yet. Yeah. Um, and if your kids are older, be interested in whatever they're interested in. I know it's stupid. I know the music sounds like they're mumbling. I know uh, the shows are boring, but just they're, you're like, this show has no real story, no real plot. Just it's just teenagers being mad at each other and screaming. Just just tune in, man. Just <laughs> be engaged in what they're engaged in. They'll love you. They need yep. you. Yeah. You know, love the process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And, and protect and protect your family. I, and protect the voices. You know, I was just reading Genesis, the the book of Genesis, and you know, it says that the, the serpent uh, started to talk to Eve in the garden, and Adam was right there. And I'm like, what kind of man would let his wife talk to a snake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, dude, we got to be careful about the kind of voices we're letting speak it to our family. So I guess that would be my main advice too. Is like. Man, what's the who's the loudest voice in your wife's life? Hopefully, it's you encouraging her. Who's the loudest voice in your kids' life? Hopefully, it's you supporting them. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's what I would say. You're getting hand claps over here. It's good. <laughs> it's good. That's that's exactly right. Well, and I think too, just <clears throat> with our kids, kind of going into you know into school now, and they're becoming school age, and like kids are just mean, man. They're brutal. They just say su- such mean things, and so being able to reassure them and affirm them as well. Um, we started doing something at night. I'd say we, my wife started doing this and I caught on real quick, but, uh, just affirming them like, Hey, you are strong. Say I am strong. Say I am loved. I'm kind. I'm courageous. I'm brave. Like just affirming, like I'm a good, I'm a good son. I'm a good daughter. I'm, I'm a good, you know, brother. I'm a good sister. Like just helping them kind of know, like, 
you're going to get a ton of stuff from that outside. And, and but I, I love that. Be the loudest voice in their life too. encourage them. I think that's, oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Peter, hey, man, you have been, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for just sharing your story. Yeah, um, for sure. Willing, willing to, you know, kind of be vulnerable in some situations and places as well. And uh, yeah, where where exactly can we find you? If so, if somebody wants to follow you, I mean, I've I kind of dug, like I said, I kind of dug into some of your uh, your teachings and different things like that. You guys have uh, your church looks amazing. You guys have um, obviously some great me. I'm a media guy, so I'm always looking at the content. Uh, yeah. But just you have some great stuff out there. So where can people follow you um, if they, even if they want to contact you? Yeah, it's uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, you know, Facebook, whatever. It's just Peter Reeves twenty three. So Peter Reeves twenty three. And uh, I would gladly uh, strike up any conversation, connect with you in any way possible. So, yeah, be awesome. I love that. That's awesome. Well, uh, Peter and I are about to jump over uh, to have a lightning round. So we have some fun questions, but only the Patreon people get to hear that. So make sure you guys go to the adoptedmom.com, adoptedmompodcast.com slash Patreon to get to hear Peter's questions. Some very interesting questions. He's lightning round, man. You better be ready for this because uh, we're about to get into it. But uh, cool. hey, yeah, thanks again, Peter, for, for getting on the, being on the show with us today. And uh, I think, I think it was, I think I'm, I think you represented well, like I met, I felt good about this. So I, maybe I'll be invited back. You know, I think with all the stuff you had, maybe you'll, you'll get a second time back around. Who knows? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this is great, Peter. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at the Adoptive Mom Podcast.com. Thanks for joining us.